My name is Wes Biggers, and you are listening to Pivot in Place. When I set out to do this podcast, I wrote my list of what I wanted to talk about. Basically, how to lay out a strategy for your business to survive the economic contraction resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic. I was trying to draw from my experiences in running and growing my business during the 2008 recession. I had written down things like understanding the way cash flows through your company, negotiating purchasing contracts with vendors, and building a pro forma financial plan to understand future influences on your business. Those are great backup topics. But as I sit down and gather my thoughts on each new episode, I'm discovering that those are static ways of thinking about a business. In fact, they're not the things that I thought about when I was growing my business in 2008. They are necessary and useful for sure. But to be successful, a business owner must grasp one thing, predicting the future. Well, actually, they have to grasp many things, predicting the future being one of them. With rare exception, everywhere I've lived, the saying has been proudly touted, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. There is also the saying, the only thing that is constant is change. Understanding change and the reasons behind it is the foundation of prognostication. This week, I'm pondering the question about what causes change. In change, there is opportunity. And to capture opportunity, you must pivot. When I first came to Norfolk, I was warmly invited by Jerry Cronin to a group he calls Entrebrew. Every week, I get together with this group of entrepreneurial-minded individuals, drink beer, and talk about what's on our mind. We meet at a local brewery here in Norfolk called O'Connor's, and if you are ever in Norfolk, you should stop by and try one of their brew creations. We talk about business ideas, opportunities, the perils of founder's disease, initiatives in public-private commercialization, university involvement in emerging businesses and technology, what our favorite dinner of the previous week was, or the one book that we read that had the most impact on how we think. It's an eclectic group with dynamic ideas and opinions. Interestingly enough, now that social distancing is a part of life, there are more people coming to the virtual table and the conversations have taken on a whole new color. A pitch for a creation of one of our regular participants and a great example of a business pivot in response to social distancing? Check out virtualtaproom.com. It's a great alternative to the ubiquitous video services with a great way to connect over a common idea, beer. It is actually a great example of what I want to talk about today, change and opportunity. This past week, we were asking the question, what will be different about everyday life as a result of the pandemic? Referring to what's going to happen after the social distancing restrictions are lifted. In an hour-long conversation, nine of us informally pulled together and covered topics as wide-ranging as retail, manufacturing theory, medical privacy versus contagion tracking, commercial real estate, and national defense. It sounds like a very schizophrenic conversation, but it was dynamic and anything but boring. A couple of topics in particular that caught my attention were great examples. 
For one thing, I keep adding books to my reading list faster than I can get through them. The book Trekonomics, The Economics of Star Trek, written by Manu Sadia, I'm sorry, Manu, if I'm butchering your name, was brought up during the conversation. That is an interesting jump, but it follows from the government approving loans with potential debt forgiveness to businesses so they can pay employees while shut down due to the pandemic. And we all know that the point of those loans is to provide living costs for people who are put out of work temporarily. The concept becomes whether there is a possibility of all essentials for life becoming no cost. Stay away from the debate on socialism, etc. We aren't talking about an economic structure or politics, but meeting the essential needs of life as becoming an entitlement. The idea is an interesting projection into the future of the precedent of meeting essential needs during social distancing. So much of our current reality can be tracked back to science fiction stories and ideas. Could this be another? In light of what is happening at meatpacking plants with extreme case density of coronavirus, we talked about the shift from manual to automated manufacturing methods. Technology, especially the development and combination of sensors with artificial intelligence, is moving closer to automating activities that are currently done manually due to variable dynamics, like cutting meat, that have always required human judgment. Then we talked about the retail environment. There alone are so many ramifications to the changes that the pandemic are likely to force. We are already seeing brick-and-mortar stores struggling now. After the pandemic, are people going to shy away from such social situations with strangers? Retail therapy is real. It is the driver for such a consumption and tangible possession economy. The fashion industry alone feeds the acceptance of retail therapy. But if we start shopping more online to avoid the social environment, then we are changing not only the buying experience, but we are impacting the marketing and even inventory management concepts that define how the retail industry works. Will we continue pre-manufacturing so much inventory which often ends up as waste or sold at deep discounts the next year? From there, the conversation moved to manufacturing strategies. You can draw conclusions from the possible changes in the retail segment. Current large manufacturing methods stem from those developed by Henry Ford and the assembly line concept. The past several decades have been devoted to making processes more efficient, producing more in less time at higher quality. But will increased automation and additive manufacturing concepts make agility between multiple products the new brass ring instead of lowest possible per item cost? For that matter, What will happen regarding our deep need to comparatively shop and compare multiple products? To totally switch gears, what will the changes in medical privacy be? When 9-11 occurred, we in the United States had to embrace some encroachment on our privacy. The knowledge that all of our electronic communications are monitored to the generations that have grown up since 2001 doesn't seem so strange. Similarly, We are all accustomed to the HIPAA regulations that stipulate medical privacy requirements. But if public safety demands tracking contagious diseases, how does that work? There is a national defense argument to play there as well. Let your mind play with that concept. 
Real estate is another area we discussed, especially in light of the conversation referenced earlier about the changes in retail and the work-at-home movement to reduce the number of people at work. Stores and offices won't need as much space. The overhead of running a location-based business will go down, while the communications will go up. What will be the new killer application of the malls and multi-tenant office buildings that exist today? All of those areas are going to experience a change in the way we do business as a result of this pandemic. Exactly what that change will be is anyone's guess. But one thing about being a leader in business is that we get to make the future. Everything we have around us is either the result of making a way to answer a need or creating a need where there wasn't one before. And it was all done by business leaders. They looked into the future with an eye on the change that was coming and making the future what they wanted it to be. The ideas that flowed from that simple one-hour conversation could not have happened without a group of dynamic individuals. Even better, every topic that we talked about represented an opportunity. So, how do you use this information? How do you predict or prognosticate the future? Make the future what you want it to be. This leads me into the actions for today. Action number one, gather a group of people together. Be dynamic in the membership, but not too many. Do it on a Zoom call or somewhere where you can all get together on a conference call. Actually, I would highly recommend a, a video call because it's great to be able to see the expressions and interactions. But that means that the membership of this group doesn't need to be limited to those geographically close to you. Everyone needs to come with one idea about how our world will change or has changed. It doesn't need to relate to anything in particular and is probably best if it isn't done with the focus of the business being the central theme. Remember, you want to find a pivot, not an incremental change. Then have fun with the conversation and encourage debate. Let minds and ideas flow freely. Embrace the debate. Action number two, think about your workforce. This is a little bit different. I'm going to step outside what we've talked about so far, but I want you to think about your workforce. In particular, how does remote working open up new populations of employees? Perhaps it is the physically challenged who can't drive or struggle with necessary accommodations within an office, but could work well from home. Perhaps it is people you want on your team but aren't willing or able to relocate to your office. This is a period of redefining some of the very fundamental assumptions we have. Action number three, like, subscribe, and please tell others about this podcast. To help with that, keep your eye out for the coming website, Pivot in Place. There's a hyphen between each, pivot-in-place.com. My name's Wes Biggers. Thank you for listening. This is Pivot in Place.